Welcome to Who Knew. We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights into the modern regeneration of the show. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher, or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. You can leave comments there, or email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram and Twitter account. Tweet at us at whonewpodcast. And find us on Facebook. So today we're taking a quick trip in the TARDIS with these two shorts, The Last Day and The Night of the Doctor, which both tie into the 50th anniversary day of the Doctor. First up is The Last Day. So we're going to do the two shorts, The Night of the Doctor and Last Day, the, the dates that they were released. But let's go to Last Day first, since the subject matter, what was in there, well, that's even... It'll be a quicker conversation. That's it. This short, The Last Day, which is written by Stephen Moffat, directed by Jamie Stone. It originally aired on the 21st of November, 2013. Hi, this is Eugene. Let's introduce ourselves. Hello, this is Frank. Hi, it's Heather. Hi, this is Brian. Josh here. And Kelsey. Hello, this is Auburn. The static clears and we see a man in Gallifreyan uniform, in a Gallifreyan uniform, telling us not to speak and we will feel better soon. He explains that our brain is now a hard drive recording everything we see and hear. Sometimes this can cause side effects. Static, a man screams at us while explosions go off around. Static, these are not premonitions, he says. They are just side effects. The man introduces us to the commander who starts the big introductory speech. He tells us about the 400 sky trenches guarding Arcadia, the city where they are stationed in the safest place on Gallifrey. Nothing can get past these trenches. A burst of static and we are at the scanners searching the skies above Arcadia. The soldier tells us that if even one Dalek got through, it could destroy the entire city. A tiny speck appears on the scanner. Enlarging the image, we see a Dalek. The soldier can't believe it and sounds the alarm. The first Dalek is followed by an entire army. One of the Daleks takes aim at us, fires, and static fills the screen. I like the way that this is shot. It reminds me of when Robocop is, uh, when Murphy's put online, it's just that that kind of grid with the uh, MS-DOS sort of thing going on. So I thought this was, this was smart for a short. Kind of like a found footage thing. Yeah. I like it, I just don't understand. <laughs> Are they like Thank cyborg? <laughs> What's happening? Uh, no, there's soldiers that have been, they put like a memory chip in their head so that like, on their death, their like memories can be sent to their families. But it's don't worry, anything, cam. anything too like uh, scary will be like edited out or something. That's what I got. Yeah, that's yeah. Know. They do say that, but it's okay. it also is kind of like I'm sorry, what? There is a lot that is inferred. Uh, yes, you know, by the time I started to understand what the, they were talking about, it was on to something else I didn't quite understand, and it wasn't until. I was thinking back on it and you guys were talking just now and you were reading that paragraph where I'm like, okay, right. I definitely felt like I was coming in the middle of something, not the beginning of this thing. But also too, because this is a Doctor Who short, I don't really see the, I, I think it was very interesting now looking at it from hindsight, but I don't really find a purpose in it. Me I neither. Just feel exactly. like this is, this is the moment when the Do- during the time war where the Daleks invaded Gallifrey. And that's an, it, wouldn't it be cool to see that moment? Sure, but it doesn't tell us anything more than that happened. 
it, it shows us the hubris of the time lords. That's yeah, that's what like, I was gonna say. Like we have these trenches, like one is hard, two Nothing is impossible. Can get through. Right, right. Four hundred, right. and yet, yeah, like we, they make it, it through. Yeah, I don't think they did it well. I don't think right. it works as a great short film. Yeah, but I think that's even, what even the if, purpose of it was. Yeah, even a film about someone answering the telephone. If someone's sitting on the couch, the phone rings. You are then going to say, oh, how are they going to go answer that phone? And who is it going to be? Oh, it's John. The end. Like that at least has <laughs> some progression. This was like someone sitting on the couch and the phone rings. And then they go, I'm going to go answer that phone. The end. Yeah, I, I take it the way Alburn put it, especially watching this and the night of the doctor together. It's going to be more. Yes. It's going to be more expanded upon in the night of the doctor. But now that there are two, well, it's the Daleks and the Time Lords going to battle each other, and you see why it's taking its toll on the universe because the Time Lords aren't necessarily the good guys. Right. It's an itch. This would have been a really cool thing to see in an episode, like they came across this recording. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I'm going back to my first point where I I was I'm still just all I can think about is wait, there's memory chip and he's weird things are flashing in front of his eyes. Like right, that's yeah. all that's all that's where my concentration was. I wasn't even thinking about like Right, right. What is hubris of the time why, wars. I was like, what the hell? What? And why would you pick someone who just woke up from a procedure and is still a little delusional and put them on the front lines of defense? Because you're desperate. <clears throat> Yeah. Well, they didn't think it was the front lines, clearly. Right. Well, yeah. That's the introductory so. speech to the new guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because this is a little supplementary thing to Day of the Doctor. So in Day of the Doctor, we see what happens to Arcadia, and they mention the sky yeah. trenches. So this whole thing is just like a little fanboy service supplementary thing. This one just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, this isn't to be analyzed at all. <laughs> it's like yeah, we should yeah, not yeah. be talking about this um but but yet here we are here we are <laughs> so i thought it was odd that that they were turning gallifreyans into cybermen yeah because when you looked in the mirror it yeah. looked like a robotic face mm -hmm. a mask See, yeah but the thing about the I side think effects, the side effects were, they were said this, real he said yes that's the thing he was lying to the recruit he was saying these aren't premonitions they're just side effects he was lying saying yeah they are they are real premonitions and when he says it's not real what you looked at yeah it was real wait how do you know he's lying that's, that's how i would took do it. okay yeah. because it looked like it was the same it looked like it was the same person screaming in the helmet who was telling him this is an illusion yeah it was it was the same actor so it seemed like no you're about to die because we all see it towards the end that you are going to die <laughs> so that's where i got it that it's is what he's telling him it's not it's the whole brave new world it's the whole you know uh, he just doesn't want the guy to freak out before those... he can fight right i just i wanted to ask I, I assumed that too but i wanted to ask in case i missed the moment where where he was hmm. like <laughs> but, but i was i i i, I kind of presume that all the soldiers went through this including the one who was talking yeah oh and yeah. i got it that this was their reanimating people oh I he was already See, I think the shot point, and I think hurt the... and now they're putting them on the lower levels yeah to do the defense because 
he can't be in the front level at this point. I think the whole point of the, the whole point of this short short was to say how desperate the Gallifreyans were at the end of the time war, and they were just doing anything they possibly could at that point. It was that desperate, and it doesn't come across that way at all. Yeah, because again, tying this with Knight of the Doctor, the Doctor doesn't want to fight because he can see how bad things are going as far as fighting the war, winning the war, and what it takes to sustain going to war. Yeah. Plus everything else we know about the Time War, where at the end, the Time Lords were going to blow up the universe just like the Daleks were. And then the stuff that we find that we find out during Day of the Doctor about how Gallifrey gets blown up. You know, it's, it's like, it's just like a little, it's supposed to be like a little piece that just kind of slots in and it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And it's also one of those things though, like they can't, it's it's like doing these little like writing for these webisodes i think is probably very challenging because you have to make it so that people who didn't see them like i missed a lot of these webisodes when doctor who initially was airing and i don't feel like i missed out on anything so you've got to also like make sure that it's not Critical? I think you guys get what I'm saying. Critical, yeah. It's not critical that you have to watch it to be able to understand the episode. Yeah, yeah, it's a fanboy thing. And, and the reason we're doing hard this, thing. these are all diehard. Yeah, and the reason we're doing this is because we have a podcast. <laughs> are you implying that that makes us diehards? Yes, because you're right. No, I think it's definitely stated that way, Heather. <laughs> he was stating it. Come on, normal people do Doctor Who podcast too. Was it just these two shorts together for the 50th? Uh, Yeah, on the the DVD, Blu-ray, whatever, the home release, they had these two on this uh, disc by itself. Yeah, so this one I think was just something to do. It didn't seem like it had a real essence to it of why it was there. It was like, we're just putting out something even shorter than a usual short. This is nice, something to just, this is just to give a, a little like a taste teaser trailer. of the war. It's, two, it's yeah. two days before you see the actual 50th special. Here's yeah. a little... Yeah. Right. It's hype. It's hype. It's to get hype. you hyped up. Mm. Right. Which is like, I think if I would have would have seen this, waiting for the 50th, I would have gotten very excited. Yes. Because, you know, since, since 2005, we've been hearing about this time war. And now, and... I don't know. I I give them props for trying to like think outside the box and give us like this POV experience um, for your front row of like the Dalek invasion. I don't know. It's kind of cool. It's fun. I, I like it. I it just could have used a couple extra pieces of information to make us understand. Because yeah. I mean, this show does that a lot. We talk about it on our, on our show. But like, my brain was thinking about something else, so it could really only take in what was happening so much because you just told me to think about something and now you're talking about something else so just a, just a little bit more of something in the intro so we could follow along rather than try to catch up mm-hmm. i definitely the whole thing catching up four minutes yeah at yeah. first i was like is this a cyberman thing what's going on yeah, yeah and but yeah like you said josh by the time i kind of started understanding something it was the next thing was happening and then it was over <laughs> i was like so I guess I should have watched it twice. It was kind of, it was pretty disturbing though. I will say that. It was, it was scary. I mean, just for our viewers at home, when Heather said, I think we should watch it, or I should have watched it twice. 
Everyone shook their heads. No. <laughs> oh, I was going to say you can watch it twice while we're recording this and <laughs> it'll be fine. Um, the one thing that I do, or I'm going to bring up some stuff I do like. The soldier's red armor and the round helmet design is very reminiscent of um, the Deadly Assassin when we did that classic episode with Tom Baker. Mm-hmm. I, I just like that they, they made it look modern and better because they have better materials to fabricate those those uh, costume pieces. And I think it looks great. Mm-hmm. And I like seeing a soldier, a Gallifreyan soldier, as opposed to when I usually see Gallifreyans, where we're seeing like the people in charge, the, the head, the big head pieces. Yeah. So the costuming was different enough where I, or I didn't even know, like I didn't know who this was until they said something that was like, oh, they're Gallifreyan. Got yeah. it. Even for and me, Eugene, you you like that, but I'm uh, if they had just worn what I was used to them seeing, I wouldn't have spent half this video trying to figure out if this was Cybermen or not. Like, yeah, yeah. But but I, how do you? Well, find they had they had like sigils that had they had like Time Lord Gallifreyan stuff, but but it was all monochromatic, so it was a little hard to see. That's Eugene it. Was like a nice that costume. That's it. Oh. <laughs> we'll see the costumes again. Those those those. Oh ones. okay. Oh oh okay. And so this cast is really short. <laughs> it's Barry Aird who plays the veteran that gives the speech, and then Chris Finch, who is the time soldier, and we will definitely see him again. Hmm. Okay. I'm probably going to regret what I'm about to say. <laughs> I have no idea when. Um, when no more? When, yeah, when the doctor asks for, gets the rifle, that's him. That's the same oh. guy? Yep. No clue. <laughs> no, no clue. Gosh, I guess I'm just a newbie. Wow. Get off this podcast. <laughs> There's the door. <laughs> wow, that actually makes me like that scene more. See, that's why I'm coming at it from a different mm. perspective. <laughs> it's just seriously, it's like I never yeah. even want to put that together. Wow, okay, yeah. cool. Yay, something new. So I guess we will leave that in? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Yeah, I don't okay. care. Okay, all right. So moving to the Night of the Doctor... Night of the Doctor is written by Stephen Moffat, directed by John Hayes, and it originally aired on the 14th of November, 2013. Um, the 14th of November? 14th of November, later, or earlier. Earlier, yeah. Earlier. A lot yes. earlier than that. So, because yeah. I think, I don't know, this is all speculation, that they did the little one, which was, I mean, the Night of the Doctor first, and then they wanted just a small little tag before they went into the show. Yeah. So they added one that's even shorter, just a three minute, yeah. just a little something to keep people. The open. Night of the Doctor blew everybody's mind. I mean, Night of the Doctor blew <laughs> This is the Doctor. Mind. He goes all around. He doesn't like sitting around as time progresses normally. <laughs> they kept the surprise with Night of the Doctor and everybody just went nuts. So yeah. it really did create a lot of hype for the show, whereas last day wouldn't. That was just a little tidbit for diehards. A severely damaged ship is flying out of control toward a planet. The pilot calls out, can anyone help me? And the computer responds with, please state the nature of your ailment or injury. She tells the computer that she doesn't need a doctor. A man behind her says, I'm a doctor, just probably not the one you were expecting. The pilot named Cass explains that the rest of the crew have teleported away. The doctor takes Cass toward the back of the ship to his TARDIS. When he says that it's bigger on the inside, Cass realizes that he is a Time Lord and locks herself on the other side of the door to protect herself from him. The Doctor says he isn't part of the Time War. She says that 
he is as bad as a Dalek. And the best news she's had all day is that he'll die in the crash. The ship blows up as it crashes into the surface. An old woman sees the crash and tells the others that the doctor has returned to Karn, but it's a pity that he's dead. Soon after, the doctor awaits calling from Cass. Ohila, the old woman, says his companion is almost certainly dead. Explaining that the doctor is also dead, she says that they restored him temporarily. The doctor recognizes them as the sisterhood of Karn. Their elixir of eternal life can trigger his regeneration, but it's not random. He can choose what he wishes to become, man or woman, young or old. They do this because he is their last hope and he cannot ignore the time war forever. The doctor says he will not fight. He is the doctor. The sisterhood brings in Cass's body and the doctor sadly says that he could have saved her, but she wouldn't listen. Ohila says, how many more people will have to die? And she begs him not to let the universe fall. He needs to decide what he wants to become. The doctor looks at Cass's bandolier and says, a warrior. There's no more need for a doctor. Ohila hands him a goblet containing a steaming liquid. Saluting his companions and apologizing to Cass, he drinks the elixir and regenerates. When his screaming stops, Ohila asks if it is done. A warrior pulls the bandolier off of Cass's body and says, Doctor, no more. I just want to acknowledge right away that I love Paul McGann as the eighth doctor, and I'm glad he's back. Yeah. And when he, right before regenerating, he mentions all his companions from the Big Finish audio. And I thought that that was great to acknowledge that into canon. Yeah. Because Paul McGann as the eighth doctor, I think, has the longest run as the doctor, but not televised. Mm -hmm. So I think that's important to acknowledge what kept Doctor Who going, what that during what they call the dark years or the wilderness years, I think they call them that. So he mentions Charlie Pollard, Chris, Lucy Miller, Tamsin Drew, Molly O'Sullivan. I, I just thought that it was, I, I've listened to some of those. So I think it's great that they acknowledge it in, in proper canon. I think also a lot of them are from the comic books too. Hmm. Not necessarily audio, but mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is the comics because that was what was going on forever. Uh, but those ones I just mentioned, those are specifically from Big Finish Audio. They're not from the comics? Yeah. Really? Yeah, because okay. I, look, I looked them up and I'm like, I'm, I know Lucille, Tamsin, and I think Molly. Could some of them been both? It could be in both. Anyway, it was a very cool thing. I really yeah. wish that this was longer. Yes. I feel like yes. there's a very weighty decision that the Doctor is making, and it, I wanted the drama to, to be extended i wanted to really see him suffering to make this decision but ultimately deciding it's the only way he's going to be able to get through this mm -hmm. and so i like want to see I, a whole series of this doctor yeah, yeah that too. they he's did propose, so good they, but they, but yeah they did propose doing a series with paul mcgann uh, coming back as this version of the doctor or this doctor in his lifetime but it was ultimately shot down because the original idea was that Paul McGann was going to regenerate into the ninth doctor. And then that doc, the ninth doctor was going to be the one to fight the time war, but that's not how it played out. So they, they couldn't have that happen. And I mean, up to this point, that's what everyone thought, right? Mm -hmm. It went from Tom McGann's Paul. doctor to Christopher Eccleston's doctor. Yeah. Right. But I thought Tom McGann did the war. Paul, Paul, Paul McGann. Tom McGann's a TV. Yeah. I don't know what I shoot. said either. 
I'm sorry. No, because at the beginning of Eccleston's run, he looks in the mirror and says that he has, oh, floppy ears, and it's like he hasn't seen himself. So it okay. seemed like it was a recent-ish generation, you know, regeneration. So that's why it would always be McGann, who was part of the Time War. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of that's what everybody assumed. But this episode really helped because it's not its own regeneration. It is one that was fabricated for him on Karn, you know, to then be what he wanted. He, there was like no, no randomness to it. You can decide. And the reveal at the end of a young John Hurt, you know, was great. Because I don't know how well they could have done the face, but to see it in a, you know, polished reflection, you know, any distortion is realistic. So it looked really good. <laughs> Yeah, because I remember, uh, Josh, you were saying in an earlier episode that you can't imagine old John Hurt fighting the Time War. And then this is where we see that that's not how he started fighting. He started fighting it as a young John Hurt. Right. I I love that idea. Yeah. But I I am curious, though, why did they need that war doctor? Aside from this story point that they've created, why couldn't it have just been Paul McCann's doctor? but they created that for this moment. If they didn't, if they didn't create that, why didn't they just create that he was the doctor that fought the time war? Because uh, he didn't. That doctor wasn't willing to fight the time war. Yeah, that doctor is a more of a pacifist. But they never did. They did, did they establish that before this short? Like they no. created this short for the regeneration yes. into. Yeah. Yeah, but. They didn't have to do that. Right. Why don't they just make it Paul McGann if everybody liked Paul McGann? I I get what you're saying, but um, remember when we went to Rose City and Christopher Eccleston was supposed to be the one in the 50th, and then he didn't, but then they came up with John Hurt. So I think that what we didn't, what what you're saying is that we don't have that, but I'd rather have John Hurt. I understand. I'm not making a decision. I'm just saying. Well, when Eccleston backed out, why didn't they just use Paul McGann's doctor? I'm just saying it's all behind scenes. It's not story plot. So but, put the story yeah. plot out. Maybe they could not get Paul McGann at that time. Yeah, I have a so feeling they that's what it was. Got a big name, John Hurt. They put it at the sure. very end of that season seven and said, oh, good, we have this. And then it's like, we need to fill it in. We can get McGann. <laughs> oh, no. OK, what are we going to do? It's like, well, we have to. If we can get him, we have to use it. And so they mm-hmm. made that transition. But, and but I think also, it was just a production way of doing it. Either they couldn't get it, they just didn't think of it because they said we got to get a big name that would be awesome to fill in for Eccleston. I mean, come also, on. Also, we're, we're we're looking at this from McGann being this great doctor that everybody loves. Um, he's probably the least known to right. Public. Yeah, not so it's yeah. like. Right, so like if was. you can it, so it's like oh maybe we could have it be McGann but is anybody really going to care yeah that name the, the diehard yeah, like yeah. so. so they want to hit a larger audience and remember who's running sure. the show at the time remember who's running sure. the show at the time and wants the spin wants the you think you yeah. know what's going on we're changing that so we're putting in a whole nother doctor that you didn't know about right I mean the total well, answer back- to, your, to your question Josh or to your to your analysis, Josh, is because yeah, yeah. it's Stephen Moffat. Yeah. You know, there's no He's, logical, there's no logical. I, I, I just hope that they do like a retcon season of like those years. Yeah, it would have been great they did. to do they're another all... TV movie. 
with Paul McGann. Right. Yeah, doing, yeah, he just goes in the movie. Expanding on this episode to go, yeah. why do people hate the Time Lords? You know, right. How long well, has the war been really going cool. on? How is it affecting really cool. the universe? Well, and that's then all it's going down to the planet. That's done all in the big Finnish audio dramas. Mm, but, that's that. one medium. Yes, I know. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I would it like that. Nice. It I would like nice. that as a TV episode or something as well. But <laughs> or just. But, but it's I like think it's perfect because it. then Paul McGann has another movie. You know, so it's like <laughs> yeah, he's the movie yeah, doctor. Yeah. yeah, and they kept the secret really well because oh, probably yeah. I think Frank would probably remember my scream when Paul McGann showed up. <laughs> I mean seriously, I screamed, and when Eugene was reading the paragraph, I almost screamed again. <laughs> it was the most wonderful thing to see. And then it was like, oh, they're tying him in. There was there was actually even a debate at that up till that point that was McGann even really canon? Because that yeah. McGann was half human and we don't like the half human doctor. And in America. Well, because you don't only have Paul McGann, you have uh, Colin Baker, Peter Davison and Sylvester McCoy. Well, Tom Baker as well. And the other three, minus Tom Baker, were like, are we going to be invited to this? Yeah. And then they didn't even know that Paul, Paul McGann had to keep it a secret from them. And they had a little meeting with Paul McGann, which we'll see later. Who did? Uh, the, the three actors. So the four actors, the, the previous doctors and Paul McGann, like were in a room together. And Paul McGann knew everything that was going on and the other three didn't. And he couldn't say anything. That's how well they kept the secret. I don't think they had filmed it yet, but yeah, I don't when think they so. filmed the other, when they filmed the four actors meeting in a room, Paul McGann did know that he was playing the doctor again, and he was listening to the other three doctors going, "Are we even going to be invited? Has anybody been invited? Oh no, 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 nobody has." Well, but back to this particular short. So one thing I'm, I don't know if I'm just a little lost about is you know towards halfway through and towards the middle of it even though it's so short he was um interacting with the other character as if he had known her for a long time he knows there's this no his karn no the the, the, the pilot, pilot the, the woman pilot. oh cass like the way he was talking about her and to her was as if he was her his longtime companion that he can't let this happen to and i'm sitting again here watching it being like Am I missing something? Is there some history? Because I thought when he got on, she didn't know who he was, and it was just I like didn't they get just that feeling at all. Well, yeah, yeah just the way the, the way he was uh, responding to how upset he got, it was as if it was someone of some you know import to his life. Yeah, she was an ordinary. Yeah, but it seemed it seemed it was a familiarity that I sensed that would that had the weight of I've spent two seasons with this companion, I can't let her die. Because it's not like I didn't like it. It, it just from, it confused right. me. But from what I got of that episode, you know, at the beginning, they did not know each other. And he's like, no, it's being inside. I'll save you. And I'm the doctor. I save people. That's what I do. And her reaction slapped him in the face, hit him in the gut. He's like, you're the same as a Dalek. And the only joy I'm going to have from dying is knowing that you die with me. You know, and that to him, I think, was just a shocker because he looked worn. He looked like he's been through some stuff and he's like, I'm not part of that battle. I'm one of the good guys. I'm not a Time Lord that is part of this battle that's destroying the universe. So I think all that's weighing on him and he couldn't save this one person because now she sees him and the war as so evil, she's willing to die rather than be saved by the devil. 
And so for and that, for, he lost an innocent. And that's what I think he was getting to going. So she it was, was a good person like, I and I couldn't even save her because she doesn't want to be saved by all this. The war really is affecting. And um, Karn, the sisterhood of Karn, you said there's no escaping the time war. And he's seen that with her dying, it's affecting so much more. And he, it's, 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 this is his tipping point. That's why I think she's important is because she's just an innocent who he could have saved in normal circumstances. But this is a tipping point. He cannot escape it anymore. He has to choose a side. He has to either fart, fight with the Daleks or with the Time Lords. It's like, you can't sit on the fence. You can't be outside this anymore. So she was actually more of a rep- his his dilemma was more she was a, a symbol of of what he was trying to do with his life. That's what I see. Yes. yes. And and I and think the other it's, I think it's simple more simple that that was Paul McGann's choice to do that familiarity because I didn't I didn't pick up on what you're talking about. Oh. I yeah. <laughs> well, I Josh and I also but... see things that aren't there, but I was like <laughs> that's always so fun with talking with Josh. It's like oh I didn't see because I always focus on the way that they shorthand because it is you know this is so short they really shorthand that she immediately passes his companion test. She's got a brain, she's brave. It's like, where's everybody else? They beamed off, I beamed them off because they were all screaming. And he turns to her and says, welcome aboard. And that's his shorthand. He's already accepted her as a companion. She's gonna travel with him in the TARDIS and they're gonna have a great relationship. And so that I think creates the familiarity. That's I think why McGann said she's in you know in his brain is like the doctor always also the doctor already thinks she's a companion and smart and she'll be able to handle my quirkiness it's also super awkward in my opinion because welcome aboard no well even before that she says i don't want a doctor and paul mccann's paul mcgann shows up and it's like well, the doctor is here, but it may not be the one you're thinking of. But she literally just said, I, I don't want one. Don't send me one. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, it's almost as if if this were a comedy, he'd be like, oh, people don't usually say that. Like, <laughs> well, That was a line extremely to the fans. I mean, that, was, that wasn't being said to cast. That was being said to the fans. I guess, but it didn't work for me because oh. literally she had just said, I don't want a doctor. <laughs> and then he was like, here's your doctor. And I was like, oh, that's awkward. She doesn't. She doesn't she didn't ask for you <laughs> like but but it's almost like he assumes like oh beeps hitting the fan i better here i am now i know i'm highly uh exaggerating that but that that was what i thought when he answered i don't want a doctor that way it was like okay you're not wanted here and then instantly she was like you're not wanted here and i was like oh i was right i think that line is also kind of the stephen moffat like teeing up oh yeah we don't need a doctor anymore like Mm -hmm. you know we need the coming up the warrior but yes like that was very much like he was coming in there and trying to really take over and direct like okay now i'm gonna save you you're gonna come with me and i think she also kind of proves her own companion worthiness by like figuring out he's a time lord and then deadlocking him, you know, mm-hmm. on the other side of that that door right away. Yeah, knowing yeah, that was, the deadlock will work. Mm-hmm. It was very effective for, way of communicating to the audience how bad the time lords had gotten in this war, 
in a much more effective way as like the other webisode that they made where Brian and Brian or Frank even had the point of like, I think we were, you know, with the, with the chip implant, that was to show how bad the time Lords, how arrogant they had gotten and how desperate they had gotten and how now they're just as bad as the Daleks. But like, none of us really got that. Um, The doctor also seems to be figuring that out. Not just the audience, Mm. not figuring it out. He knows, but like accepting it. This was the first time someone had really pulled out that I've seen someone really pull the rug out from under him like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I think if, again, going back to my first comment, like everything happens so fast because it's a short, I would love to see a longer fleshed out version of this whole experience. I agree. I think it would have really hit harder uh, emotionally. Mm -hmm. But he does pick up her mantle of being a warrior. Yes, that's neat. I liked that. Yeah, I like how they turn. Where he gets his, some of his costume or his, yeah. The bandolier. He literally, he literally picks up the mantle. Right. <laughs> yeah. Bandolier, cool. which is like the, the yeah. least thing you would ever expect a, the doctor, a doctor to, to carry, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think Paul McGann said that he this is his favorite costume of his doctor mm-hmm. because it's gone through the one we saw, the Wild Bill Hickok one in the TV movie. And then there's one that's very simple, like a transitional phase between Christopher Eccleston and him. With the um the leather like U-boat captain coat, right? Yeah. And then this one, I like this one a lot because it keeps the green, but it has those um those high boots. I don't know. I just really like it. We see his feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? There are points. Yeah. Maybe a, a wide shot. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I have a toy of it. That's how much I like <laughs> it. So I know he has boots. <laughs> uh, this was this costume was designed by Howard Burden. And yeah, he, he took I do insp- love the costume. Yeah, he took inspiration from the TV movie and just kind of updated it, he said. Yeah, and it does kind of look that way. You get a, okay, this doctor's been through hell, but is still the same character somewhere, you know? It's like he has gone through hell for years, so his costume is still the same doctor's costume, just beaten up. And we get the Sisterhood of Karn back. Yeah. Am oh. I supposed to recognize them? Yeah, all the way back from the fourth doctor with the brain of Morbius. Yeah, these are these women are Gallifreyans who left Gallifrey because they wanted to do their own study of time and power and all that kind of stuff, which is why they have, that's why they instantly have all that stuff to control the regeneration. Yeah, all the potions. All the potions and stuff, because that's what they did. Now, I didn't know who the Sisterhood of Karn was, when I saw this episode, I, I never heard of them. Um, but I did think that they're like, well, we, well, sisters, we knew he'd come back. So I was immediately like, okay, this is a race that we've seen before, but I don't know who it is. And at that point, it was just like, I went along with it. No, this one is better than some of what Moffat has done or will do, where you don't really need to know that they've appeared with Tom Baker. They just work in the world. And I feel like he did, he did the research to make them work where... Stuff like um, Alpha Centauri, I don't care about. <laughs> oh, dear God. That was stupid. Sorry. You guys will see. And I thought the actress was great. Oh, yeah. She's great. Well, uh, both of them were. But the, I recognized the older woman, uh, the, yeah. the sister of Karn. But I, I, I that was the one I was I talking about, too. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah. They're both good. Yeah. Ohelia. Ohelia. Uh, she's played by Claire Higgins. And uh, we will see her in future episodes. 
she plays Ankara in Into the Badlands. She's a working actress because she's been in stuff like Downton Abbey, Being Human. But I think, I mean, I most know her from Hellraiser 1 and 2 as Julia. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's very featured in those two movies. So I was like, she's very familiar. I, yeah. I totally recognized her. And I think it was because she did such a good job and the fans really received her well that she, the character continued on on Doctor Who. I, Sure, mm-hmm. this was just a one-time off thing. Yeah, and and then the other one, shoehorn her in later. And the other one, cast the the pilot or the the soldier is played by Emma Campbell Jones, and we've previously seen her. And I mentioned this in the Wedding of River Song. She played Doctor Kent. She was one of the um, the scientists with the white lab coat in I think is it a unit headquarters inside the pyramids where she has the lab coat and the eye patch because they're trying to defeat the silence. And I was like, we're going to see her again. And this is where we see her again. Wow. Yeah, I don't recognize her, but yeah. I mean, other than saying I like this thing, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it was I just like grabs. Go on, no, you go, Brian. There's, I do like that in this short amount of time, they really do give the, the Doctor a character. Mm-hmm. It's a very Moffat-esque Doctor, but it's but it's fine. It's, it's McGann. He knows how to do it. And, but there's one thing where she says, your life... You know, we can only bring you back for four minutes. And he, he quips, you know, four minutes? You can do so much in four minutes. You know, we can do this, oh, that, yeah. bring me knitting, you know? And it's like Moffat's done that previously yeah. with- um, The 11th, right? With the 11th, when he's like, you know, what, do you, what can you do in 20 minutes? And he's like, there's a type of bug that only lives for 20 minutes and they're not even monogamous. You know, so it, he, he, it's, it's a very Moffat-esque kind of thing, but it works for this doctor and it's a quick little you understand what his character is and it's also saying that this is the same doctor before it changes yeah i was i was i was going to say it was just awesome like it was just a great little episode and i just wanted yeah. so much more and uh, it's funny like i would say this is good for a new who viewer like it was just <laughs> Uh, if you're like, what is Doctor? Like, what is even the vibe of this show? Like, show them this, even though there's a big spoiler in it. It's just, it. I think it's so taken so out of context, you wouldn't even remember it. Like, and make sense of that part of it. But um, it, it, I, I guess it, it's a testament or whatever to Paul McGann, and he, it didn't feel like he was putting on a new costume and being this doctor for the first time. Like, even though all the doctors are that are great, that we feel are great, are great, they kind of have to wean themselves into the part. And that makes sense because they're becoming a new person. This felt like a complete person. And yeah. um, now knowing, not now, but knowing the history of Big Finish, of course it did. You know, mm-hmm. he probably pictured himself in this outfit for years. Like, like this, this was just another, yeah. you know, now he gets to be on camera doing what he's been doing for eight years or however long he'd been doing right. it. But like, it was just, it was just so great. Yeah, I agree. They can like use big, the big finish recording and animate to it. Like, let's hope they do that. That'd be cool. <laughs> uh, much like what the doctor is presented here with options for his regeneration. I looked this up and in the war games with the second doctor, the second doctor is also presented with options for his new incarnation so I thought that that was cool that mm. this wasn't the first time that that had happened. Mm. Was he really presented like... with options or were they just like, you're being punished. You may think you have control, you don't. Romana did. 
Romana mm-hmm. did, yeah. Yeah, Romana, Romana did. had control. Romana, yeah. Romana's yeah. the big one. Romana actually regenerated like what four times and then decided which one she liked. Right. <laughs> yeah, after a season of having one particular actress, then she just changes. <laughs> so yeah, it's three or four. I this actually watching it last night, this actually I have my own little headcanon now in that a lot of people comment on how regeneration doesn't look now in the modern show regeneration doesn't look the same as it did in the classic show and that the Mm -hmm. classic show regeneration was always different Mm -hmm. and ever since they started the new classic show it's this big bombastic light fireworks thing and that's happened with every single doctor in my head canon now it's because of that elixir Mm. he drinks the elixir and he still has his regenerations Mm-hmm. They bring him back, but from that moment on, his regenerations are kind of locked in like that kind of a style. Mm-hmm. So the elixir gives him the big fireworks light show, and from then on, that's just how he regenerates. So that's my own like head canon that I do. And are, are, do fans sort of think like too like does this sort of also answer the, like this elixir may have affected things that he isn't limited to his regenerations anymore? Is that one of the possible it'll, reasons why? I think that'll, ha- that'll happen later, right? It's not, right? A, it's not one of the answers. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get that oh, later. Oh, we, we do? I, yes. I don't recall. Yes. I don't recall. But be, but that's interesting that you bring it up, though, because introducing the War Doctor as a regeneration threw all the number of regenerations off. Right. So, that, I, that I get. Yeah. And, and also because Tennant did a half regeneration, that you know that you could you suddenly you were now counting it as matt smith was the final regeneration of the doctor and he couldn't regenerate anymore right so they had to deal with that and, and where so does that come from down. again where that just early on in the lore early of the show on, early on when they couldn't regen- have imagined when they couldn't have imagined the show going that long mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah gallifreyans get 12 regenerations mm. which is very arbitrary <laughs> clock time yeah it's probably why you know mm-hmm. goes around a clock um the only other person in this that, well we have people in the background but john hurt comes back we saw him briefly in yeah we saw him Is briefly yes yeah. uh-huh oh. it's, it's actually from a bbc show oh that's what i was about to ask is what is that footage of him from what was that show or did, i'm looking it up paul mcgann doubled as uh john hurt in that moment, but there right. was there. Well, he also ADRs. Yeah, that was his line. That was his line. Although that's the one yeah. thing I felt like watching it. Just you know, for this, he sounds like a you know seventy-something-year-old John Hurt. He doesn't sound like the John Hurt that we see in the reflection. Yeah, he just mm-hmm. regenerated. He was a bit, you know. Sure, he needed simply. a lozenge. <laughs> he needed a, ti- a time lozenge. It's like that's drinking milk in the morning. <laughs> It's, it's part of the results over? of drinking the potion to regenerate. <laughs> you have a sore throat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I read it last night. I'm getting annoyed that I can't find it because it was. It's, it's actually a show that I hadn't. That we do. I was thinking it was like maybe he's. It's from I Claudius or something it like could that. Could be. It could but be. It's not yeah. I Claudius. It's, it was a show uh, that I had never heard of. Well, he looked like a hobbit. Yeah. <laughs> right. He's such a he's such a skinny little fella. Well, he was Aragorn in the cartoon. Okay, you see him in the you see him in the reflection, and you think like that guy's gonna fight no war. Guess they're gonna lose. I, I'm not able to find it though, Brian. Um, yeah, yeah, I can't. 
We need a warrior. John Hurt. Young John Hurt. What? I'm sorry. It's John Hurt. When you see John Hurt, I'm going to get the hell out of his way. I know. I'm just He's going to kick my ass. It also says Hurt in his name. That's right. right. Well, there you go. He's bringing the pain. It, it's predestined. Like a dentist with the last name of Smiley. Uh, wait, those are out there? For drillmen. Right, right, right. Here that that we hurts covered. his middle name. Actually, it's his last name. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't get that reaction at all. It was like it was perfect for me that the doc, the war doctor, was John Hurt. I mean, it just, it just. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't. I, I never thought of it as like. He's he's wimpy. Young John Hurt though. Or too old. Yeah. Well. Um, Going back to John Hurt as a credited actor, he is uh, Winston Smith in 1984, Aragorn in Bakshi's The Lord of the Rings, Hazel in Watership Down, John Merrick in The Elephant Man, The Storyteller in Jim Henson's The Storyteller, and Kane in Alien, the memorable scene of Alien. And then the memorable scene in uh, Spaceballs. Playing the same character. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Not again. Not again. <laughs> An equilibrium, I think. Yeah, he plays the same side of type of uh, 1984. Yeah. Or he's playing now Big Brother in a, in Equilibrium that he was fighting in 1984. Was Equilibrium the one with Christian Bale? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hey, Dig. Yeah, I like them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah. God, he's got 211 feature. Yeah, he's he's been in a lot. Jeez, oh. a little. Yeah. He's so good. I don't remember him in it, but he was probably in Excalibur as well. No, but he wasn't in A Man for All Seasons. Okay, well, whatever. He's in the movie Snowpiercer, not, yes, the, he is. not the series. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay. okay, so from cultbox.co.uk, the distorted reflection of the war doctor's face seen in the final moments is taken from the BBC's 1979 adaptation of Dostoevsky's novel, Crime and Punishment. Mm. John Hurt played Rodian, I shouldn't have gone this far. Raskolnikov. Raskolnikov, Colin, yeah. Yes, in the series. Oh, he'd be good. Wow, that was right right after Alien and Lord of the Rings and right before The Elephant Man. That's crazy. So 1979, Crime and Punishment. There's a story that'll want to make you take your own life. The Night of the Doctor and the Last Day are both available on the Blu-ray DVD, and they're also both available on YouTube at BBC's official YouTube channel. <laughs> it's funny, yeah. They're they when I watch them, I'm like, oh, this is officially posted on YouTube. Right? Yeah, it's to, not a bootleg. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that wraps up the last day and the night of the Doctor. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time when the future becomes the present. You've just listened to an episode of Who Knew? Our wonderful theme music is by Michael Grady. Find him on Facebook at The Universe Explodes. All our episodes are engineered by Auburn. You can find him at auburnbinkley.com. You can also find this show in several places. Follow us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcast. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. Visit our Facebook page. Please leave comments, reviews, and click like to help support Who New Podcast. To listen to our show on your Amazon Echo device, enable the AnyPod podcast skill. Ask AnyPod to play the Who New Podcast. 
This podcast is inspired by Doctor Who. The longest running sci-fi show in history. And especially the revival, spearheaded by Russell T. Davis. Thanks to Russell, Sidney Newman, Verity Lambert, Ron Grainer, Delia Derbyshire, and all those involved in the adventures of our favorite Time Lord. Your work continues to inspire and entertain. Next just to... Give, give me, just give me one sec for a quick pee break. Yeah. Okay. Five on the side. Oh, that sounds good. Okay, I'll do that too then. <laughs> Fine, take five. Not six, not seven. Oh, that's funny how he's still... Did you see that when Eugene got up and went to the door? He was still in focus? No, I just see this. Yeah, that was creepy. Oh, it's just us. I'm going to go out there. I <laughs> <laughs> can get a drink. I win. No, I won. <laughs> you're set, you're runner up. 